What is up, guys? And welcome back to another episode of for the Infinite episode Podcast with and your host sure to and stay your boy tuned Red for more Infinite Podcast as well as my co-host Steven. What's up, guys? All right, now before we get into this podcast, right, all the goodness that is episode seven. Make sure that you guys go back and listen to episode six. Uh, we have a COD hot take. We talk about loot boxes, and we have an entire conversation piece uh, about currently what's going on in the mobile game market and so on and so forth. But let's move forward because we have a brand new podcast, brand new subjects to talk about. Oh, and it's exciting. I'm it excited. Is. You should it be is. excited. Um, yeah, so first, first things first, right? Make sure that all of you, okay, all of you listeners, all of you amazing supporters that we love, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at Infinite. Remember, that is at N-F-I-N-I-T-E. And also, make sure to follow, like, comment, subscribe on all of the platforms that you are a part of, if they'll allow you to like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, We are on Anchor, Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, Google Podcasts, all of that good stuff. So no matter the platform, you can get the infinite podcast where you want. Now let's move into our first topic of the day. And it's actually quite an incredible topic and I'm very excited to talk about it. And it's something that I honestly did not see coming. Right. Um, but it's still very interesting. We have electronic arts, right? AKA EA moving back to steam into what, it is crazy, and uh, and just to talk about it just a, a, a little bit, right? Just go ahead and get started. EA had put a lot of money into their EA Access platform, and they have done a lot with that platform, especially with advertising it, um, and just overall marketing, right? And just their push onto uh, you know onto consoles specifically, um, and and a little bit on PC. I, I think it's very interesting that we're seeing EA move to Steam. To be honest with you. It's very interesting. It is. What do you think that means for you know EA as a whole? I mean, them back to Steam. What do you, what do you think that that actually means for EA? Do you think it's a, a, a marketing strategy? Do you think it's a good thing? Do you think it's a bad thing? What what do you what do you think their mindset is on why they're going back to Steam? I th- like how what, what makes, I think it's a combination, you know? man. To be completely honest with you, I think it's a combination of um boosting advertising and marketability but at the same time i really feel that ea over the course of time has lost their pc audience right and i'm not talking about battlefield right because battlefield is consistently played on pc and has a incredible community behind it i'd say more towards like their sports games right like nba live uh madden you think they're trying to push more towards like a pc like audience going back to steam and trying to like, cause it's mainly console players like that are on piece. I mean, that are on uh 2k games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's basically what you're, you're saying. They're trying to broaden yeah. their, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think they are. Um, now 2k has already done it, right? Like if you go to steam right now, you can purchase 2k 20, you can purchase, you know, previous iterations of, you know, you know, basketball wrestling, whatever your forte is. Right. Um, you're able to go buy those and install those. Yeah. Um, but for EA, I, I really see it as not necessarily a power move, but I think that, and, and, and this is something that I've always felt about EA. When when EA stopped making NBA Live games, yeah, right? When they stopped making it and 2K kind of took over, that's yeah. when you started to see the shift. 
right? You started to see the shift, you know, in EA specifically because at that point in time, they had just lost one of their biggest audiences, which is basketball. Basketball mm -hmm. and football are two of the most watched sports in America, um, and they're also two in the and they're also two of the most played mm -hmm. games. Um, alongside uh, others as well but um as far as that's concerned yeah and i mean honestly it's it, like i feel yeah. like 2k has completely taken over whenever it comes to basketball i mean live is kind of almost irrelevant now now i know some mm -hmm. people actually prefer live over that but i mean you know when was the last actual good live that actually came out i mean on it back in the mid 2000s yeah honestly it's a long time for your game to be like you 2005 know. 2006 yeah Honestly, it's where I think the last like good iteration of NBA Live, right? But but just to add on to that, right? Because we brought up 2K. 2K currently has a league, an esports league, right? That is dedicated towards esports and developing NBA 2K esports. Mm -hmm. uh, that itself is quite quite interesting. Um, and I, I really don't know if EA is going to be able to capture that market because you're currently, right? Like if I'm EA, right, you're currently in a place where you really don't have anywhere to go. You're kind of you're kind of forced to broaden your horizons a bit, you know? Like you're kind of forced to relay into other markets and, and, and to try to be as consistent as possible in all of those markets at the same time. Uh, and I, the thing about EA is I haven't seen that from EA. I haven't. I have not seen a, a valid, true consistency, right? Like as far as their games, their quality of the games and everything moving forward, right? And I, and I know that we're going to talk about year-by-year yeah, -year games a here in a little bit, right? But Absolutely. But as far as it's concerned, if EA does not do well in the Steam market and they don't combine that with their success into the Xbox and PlayStation and just overall console market, I think that we're going to see 2K take over EA, right? Because it, it just seems like it seems like EA is trying so hard. And I don't know if this is going to be enough mm -hmm. right now. Don't get me wrong. If you're an EA fan, this is exciting. Um, you'll be able to download, hopefully, right? I don't know this for sure, but hopefully you would be able to download Apex Legends on Steam. Hopefully you'll be able to download Star Wars on Steam. Hopefully you'll be able to download all these games, right? Which, by the way, um, I, I, know, I know Star Wars isn't on our topics today, but... You know, that could be another potential advertising yeah. and marketing push for them, right? Why they're moving to PC. And they're pushing the just last to Jedi, add them. like the um, uh, game. Yeah, yeah hard. Yeah. yeah, they're pushing yeah. it hard. Um, And, and I, who knows, right? Like, this could be why they're doing oh, I'm it. Sorry, the, I'm specific. The order, I think. Oh, no, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I believe so. Um, But it, as far as it's concerned, like, their problem isn't in their shooters and their adventure games, right? Their problem is in their sports games. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they're making these games every year. They're losing money every year except Madden. Like they're losing money on NHL. They're losing money on um, their basketball game, right? Live. They're they're losing money in certain areas. And I think that they're trying to make up for it by going again to the PC yeah. market. But who knows? Right? Like uh, time will tell. Um, and I, I'm really curious of the future for EA and 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 what this is all yeah, gonna mean. I mean, I agree with you. Um 
But just to switch gears here, we have a little bit of information for you coming out from uh, our good friends at uh, Bethesda. Uh, as usual, it's always good news, right? Coming from Bethesda nowadays. I swear, uh, man. There's always something. It's so, always something. And, I, and I'm not... I don't... I Listen, I love Fallout. I love the Fallout series, but, you know... I. I don't know if anyone else has, you know, paid attention to what's going on lately with the Fallout 76 stuff. I mean, I know we just, we touched on it last episode, you know, about the problems going on with Fallout. But, you know, with the private servers and the scrap box issue that is currently going on, I feel like that's a big issue. Uh, currently, there's a thing where they're having private servers and you pay $100 a year. Uh, or I think it's like $12 a month, something like that at around that area, but it ends up being at least a hundred dollars a year that you're paying for this service. Um, and apparently the private servers that you're getting for fallout 76 aren't even really that private. Uh, it says right here, the private aspect is up for debate. Uh, and I'm citing this from uh, Forbes players with big friends lists i.e. merchants who sell players' goods in the game are finding that they can't prevent people from joining their private servers where they just want to relax and play by themselves or just play with their friends. Without, without some sort of invisible mode or other players can see your instance. You know, there's pl- there's situations like that where your servers aren't even private, and you can yeah, and, and you're paying for the service too, right? Yeah, like yeah, you, you it's like you anyone think, uh, on your friends list can join your private server. That doesn't make it private. Yeah, should, exactly. It, right? Yeah. Like you should have to send an invite. Yeah. You should have to do something within their system in order to make it <clears throat> available to the people that you want to join. Yeah. And I and I don't understand. What is going on with Bethesda currently? Because here's the thing. They make phenomenal single-player games. No one can knock that. No one could say otherwise. Look at their history, right? They've cemented that legacy. Now they're trying to cement a multiplayer legacy. And the problem is is that they're going the complete wrong direction. And I'm not not understanding why, right? Like, why would you charge players $100 right a year right like roughly 12 bucks a month for for, a game listen this game came out listen three to four weeks after this game came out it had a price drop yes it sure did it had a price drop of like 25 bucks yeah and you're wanting and you're asking people to pay a hundred dollars a year for this service on a game that isn't even fixed as is this game already still currently has major problems yeah it does and you're asking a hundred dollars a year from people right now there's another thing where it says uh, players are reporting dead NPCs and looted areas when they get there, implying that these are not actually new instances, but instead reused old instances as a brand new private. That's world. really that's really odd, right? Yeah, and it kind of and it kind of sounds like a slap in the face, especially to those who because because here's the thing, right? When Fallout seventy six was coming out, when that game was announced. A lot of people did not like the whole fact of the multiplayer aspect of the game. Um, But as far as it's concerned, I was really excited about it. I was like, wow, finally we get a multiplayer Fallout. I can play with my friends. Uh, My girlfriend is a huge Fallout fan. And me and her could be able to play Fallout together, which is really cool. Um, And I was very excited. My excitement has died 
right since the game's release right and that's not because of hype that's not because of anything else besides the the fact that there are issues in the game like for example right just to touch on this just a tad they added a battle royale mode to the game which i thought in my mind was a pretty good addition fallout really simulates a whole battle royale-esque especially with its lore the fact that it's again you're in an apocalypse right you're you're surviving or you're fighting to survive so the concept makes sense but you do that you add that mode with still without fixing the problems that need to be fixed and all they're doing is they're 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 applying band-aids and they're right. not performing and, surgery yeah. it's you know like what i'm saying one of their biggest selling just, points uh, for this whole thing is the scrap box Explain the scrap box to me, because I know we were talking so, about it a little bit, but explain right. that, especially gonna, for the listeners. Right. So here, here, this is basically what's going on. Players are reporting that they have deposited hundreds of units of scrap in their new boxes, only to find that the boxes has eaten them. The scrap disappears from the instance, and they can't be found again, even after relogging. So you, they put anything they want into that scrap box when they come back to it it's no longer there now you see i i want to add something because it would be really cool if the scrap box just scrapped the items for you mm-hmm. and gave you the materials for it right and, and place it inside the box you can get it later no. Everything's gone but, whenever they place it into the box. And that's insane. Like that's think insane, about it. You're paying you're you're paying a hundred dollars a year for your items to disappear. Yeah, and I mean like <laughs> but, yeah, like it doesn't make any sense. It's like what type of incentive are you giving players, right? And I'm not trying to bash Bethesda here, right? Like, I don't want anybody to think I'm bashing Bethesda because I am a huge fan of yeah, Bethesda. Yeah, I am too. I started with them. I started with them in Elder Scrolls and Morrowind. When I picked that game up on the original Xbox, I was blown I started, away. Yeah. So I am, a, and I've stuck with I started with, with Oblivion. Yeah, yeah, like, um, and still, ever since still, then, still I, a good game. I loved, yeah, I loved every single game after that. I mean, I did have issues with certain games that did come out, like, you know, fallout 4 had certain issues but i love that game i'm sorry i know a lot of people think different and they, they might have their problems with it but i love that game it was and a you good know game. What? if you love fallout 76 that's fine i'm not saying you should not i, I love want that to game. love fallout I'm, 76 <laughs> I, I do too but the thing the problem is i cannot i can't sit here and allow things like this to happen yeah, exactly. um there's no i mean there's not like we can do anything about it but i think us talking about it is going to help the situation us bringing it to light is going to help the situation because obviously if we don't if we don't talk about it if it's not taken care of this these types of situations are going to continue to happen and we can't let it get too far away from us you know we have the power it's just we have to speak up. We have to say something like we are right now. I have no problem with Bethesda, but when they do things like this, then that's when, you know, question marks get thrown Absolutely. up. You know, I, I'm sorry, but I, I can't support yeah, something I, like I, I this. Yeah, I agree. Uh, if, you, if you love the game, if you love the game, fine. I, I, I'm not trying to change your mind on how you feel about Fallout 76, but these problems are an actual issue. It's not something you can overlook. Here's the thing, even right? if, if you, you love, love the game. game, right? Then you should want you should want more community members in your game, right? If you have a love for Fallout 76, like don't get me wrong, I don't love Fallout 76, but I like it. When I get an opportunity to play it, I play it. 
But the fact of the matter is, is that these issues have constantly built up. They've constantly, again, applied band-aids where surgery needs to be done. And they're not, they're not doing what is necessary of them in order to create the type of game that they want to create, right? Which is truly an MMO multiplayer slash, you know, like game that is Fallout, that sounds, right? And in the, in, in, it does. And it sounds it phenomenal. Does. And on it should have been. It really it should have been a great it, game. Yeah, I just, I don't understand. Like, because here's the thing, right? Like, I gave Bethesda slack at first when they released the game because this was their first multiplayer release, right? This was their first one, like on this scale, um, and, and, and to this type of audience, right? But the fact of the matter is, right, I'm done giving them slack. You have you have been given enough time in order to learn and approach your issues within your game to fix them and make it better. And they have yet to do that. And until I see Bethesda do that for just me personally, I, it's going to be very hard for me to want to play anything that is multiplayer based from them. And I don't think that they could sit there and even if, you know, if, if some member of Bethesda were to listen to those podcasts, I don't think that they could disagree no. because you've constantly reaped away from your community, whether you did it on purpose or not. The point of the matter is, is that, again, you're not facing the music. Yeah. Right. And not and not only that, and, and not only that, like the community is trying to get you to face it and they have the song picked. You just don't want to, like, you just don't want to dance. You know, and, and I heard that the there were issues going on with this game where there were uh, previous issues from fallout four that got brought over into this game. Did you remember hearing, hearing about that? Yeah, no, I do. Uh, in fact, like I did experience some of those problems you did. Um, with the, yes, with the, like, when the, game like first came out mm -hmm. um for like the first week i was experiencing glitches and hitches that that specifically some of them were in fallout 4 others were brand new um like i can't remember like specifically right now um but i do remember an instance where um i had got a camp and i started to build my camp and when I built my camp, after I had finished building my camp, right, and I solidified it and I saved it and I did everything the game told me to do, right, and then if I loaded into a new server, it would be right there. I did all of that and my base was gone. It oh deleted itself. It disappeared. So that happened. That happened five, five times, times in a row. I had rebuilt that base five separate times and each time it was it looked different right because i was kind of getting tired of building it mm -hmm. right like i'm sure you can imagine <laughs> like if you put time into something less and, and it gets deleted, you're just like oh my you're god less man. and less effort into it every just less time. every single time and i feel like that that's really what's happening right now right <laughs> it's like there's less and less of care from from bethesda yeah. it seems and like right to fix these issues and it's and and the thing about it is is that and what really sucks, right? What really sucks is if you're a fan of the game and you read a headline that says, "Oh, something's wrong with Fallout 76." You just go, "Okay, not again. Here we go." Like you know, sad. like it's almost like because, accepted because and it's you know sad. what? Used to whenever you were you heard anything about Bethesda, it was always good. It was. I mean, other than the glitches, but I'm saying like what I'm saying is Bethesda was never in the subject like it is now. There's it's a now it's in a subject of bad games. And that is a problem now. Like that, that is becoming a problem. I mean, I'm honestly scared 
for the new Elder Scrolls. As like, long as it's single player. If it's single player, no, it'll I be mean, fine. I'm if it's saying, multiplayer at all, man, I, I'm frightened. Well, I really I mean, am. I'm saying with the care that's going into Fallout 76, is it okay if the same amount of care goes into the new Elder Scrolls? And you know mm -hmm. that the backlash they got for Fallout 76 is going to be nothing to the backlash they're going to get for Elder Scrolls 6. If, Can if you it imagine? messes up, oh my god, dude. The uproar? That, the uproar from from the people, man. Like that's that's the crazy part about it is that, and 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 you know what? And just to bring up this point very briefly, right? Because mm -hmm. um, I don't want to talk too much sure, longer sure. on the topic because 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 we do have some other stuff sure. to get to. All right, you lovely listeners. Um, but Bethesda has a community that is tight knit, right? very much a community that supports them that wants them to you know do well that wants them to you know be at the top right because here's the thing they're a triple a developer company but they did it on their own it, it, especially in this day and age it is unheard of you have so many indie companies that are trying to get to that level but no one ever will ever ever again do it like bethesda did and that's just a fact right you might be able to replicate it you might be able to, you know, take some things they from it, but you're not Bethesda, and you're not gonna, and you're not gonna make the impact. Yeah, a hundred percent, and you're not gonna make that impact. Um, but you see that tight knit community starting to fall apart, and that's mm -hmm. a problem, right? This is what they need to do, and I'm gonna leave it at this as far as my last sure. comment on the subject. Bethesda needs to listen to their community. They need to stop force feeding what they want into their game to their community and they need to be honest and transparent about everything as well as the problems there's nothing wrong with a developer talking to their community and saying hey we know we fucked up and this is where and and, and we've heard what you guys have said you guys have said this 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 you know what i'm saying list them and then you start to address the problems and then you start building faith into your community again because you are actively addressing the issues and concerns that all these people have. Hopefully, hopefully they do. But as far as it goes and as far as it's concerned, I'm not sure if Bethesda will. And the fact and the fact that that my hope for Bethesda has fallen that low I just like I don't think because like the thing is is like it, it, especially the listeners like I could say I'm a huge Elder Scrolls fan all I want right but I put in over 300 hours into Morrowind I put in 300 hours into Oblivion I put in 300 hours into Skyrim right I've put in so much time into these games and I have such a love for them but it, it just I don't know it feels like it's dying slowly right. but surely and just to, it's not just a good to close feeling. on this subject. Sure. Fix your fucking games. <laughs> please. It's that simple. I, Fix your fucking games. Yeah, please. Just listen. Listen to your community, right? Because that's the biggest thing. Um, but again, yeah, let's move forward. Uh, Bethesda, we love you. Just please, please fix it. Um, but moving forward, right? This is and now down now. Now I know that we mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but now it's time to bring it up. Year to year games, right? We see that with NBA 2K, with Madden, with NHL, every sports title, right? And also including Call of Duty. WWE. Now, and, and WWE as well, yes. Um, the fact of the matter is, is that with year-to-year -year games, right, just to start it off, we are seeing a correlation of 
of lower quality every single year, right? And I feel like that we're seeing it in every single space, right? 2K20, when that game first released, had tons of issues and problems. Not only that, when they released the game, they, they the community was told about so many different features that were supposed to be in the game that weren't there. And there was never uh there was never just communication or just trying to relay information to the community it, it, it almost didn't exist which uh, again is a problem and i feel like the ea has that same problem as well yeah but I, uh, go ahead go ahead sorry i have to say that i just feel like there needs to be a longer development cycle for these games because whenever you look at a game of course there's going to be certain differences but um 2k you know 19 to 2k 20 a lot of you know, you can say there are, oh, you know, the game's so much better than 2K19. This game has got so much more stuff. That's fine. But really, it's the same game. Honestly, it's the same game. Every single 2K game is basically the same with just updated graphics and a different roster. Um, well, updated yeah. rosters. And, you know, they don't implement any time into the stories. They don't, you know, there's a career mode going on. And, um, and basically the career mode is, you know, I mean, I've never, I don't enjoy the career modes. I'm sorry, but like, I, I just, I don't, I don't feel like there's, you know, that much effort going into them. It's just yeah. not that good to me. Now, like I said, I mean, you, you might love the career modes. That's fine. But obviously you can tell there's a lack in content Absolutely. in those games. And they are, and, and they are like crammed with microtransactions nowadays you play a madden game it's crammed with microtransactions 2k crammed with microtransactions it's like yeah the only thing they have added to 2k games or year to year games are microtransactions there's new there's new yeah, microtransactions no, every year I, I just you want can to touch say on that. microtransactions right so i was on twitter right mm -hmm. i was scrolling the other day and this guy had taken a picture of his gamestop receipt mm-hmm and and the quoted tweet said, out here grinding to get my player to 99. And I looked at the picture. He spent $400 on VC. What? There have, oh also, been, there have also been reports, reports of, of him specifically. And actually in that same tweet, if, if I could find the guy's at and the picture, right? Like his tweet, mm -hmm. you guys could check that in the description below. Um, because it, it actually blew my mind, right? Now, now some people probably are like, man, they... That ain't nothing, man. I spent like a thousand on VC, <laughs> man, throughout the year. Like, that's fine. That's fine. I never will spend that much on DLC for a video yeah, game. You're not how, gonna catch me spend doing your money it. How you're you want to spend it? But absolutely, I absolutely. But you should not, because here's the problem: is that he was forced, okay, forced to buy VC in order to upgrade his players to where they want to be, right? Which is fine. Like, I understand the concept that they, they, they need to have a money-building mechanism in their game, whatever. I understand that. But when you cram it with microtransactions of every single sort, of every, like, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, cosmetics for a player or, you know, helping their stats or whatever the case is, or even, even just like with Call of Duty, right? Like when we're talking about COD points and how and, and, and how they like completely restructure every single game to be different and work in a different way with microtransactions. And, and it almost becomes confusing. So people just end up spending the money and saying, screw it. Instead of trying to understand it, <laughs> I just buy what I want. And that's all that matters. Yeah. But, but, but that's a problem. 
And, and I feel like that you're as companies go on, right? And, and the more that we see these year-to-year games and we start to see kind of what's happening, I really don't feel like there is a yeah, connection I mean, honestly, to people anymore. It's let's it's it's, it's it, just last thing. It's it's all it's all, you know, okay guys, we're going to take this game that we made last year and what we're going to do is we're going to make the same exact game, right? But it's going to be different rosters. It's going to be insane. We can sell it for $60. Yeah, and you like, know what? You know that's what would be insane a good thing? I mean, I guess it wouldn't be good for the companies, obviously, but um, an idea that you could have. And I don't know. Somebody maybe, you know, tell me in the comments down below what you actually feel about this idea and how it could actually work. But what if they just made NBA 2K and it was completely free to play? Um, and it was a, it was, you know, say a free to play game and, but it was online. Um, obviously the, you could play it offline for like local and stuff like that. But what if they just updated the game yearly and you never had to buy another one. You just had to buy that one, one time. And they right. updated the game yearly after that. And then sell me you know, a roster you know they're pack. making their money. Off sell me a roster pack. Yeah, a roster sell me a pack. roster pack for Something like 10 like bucks, that. 20 bucks, right. Of every single player that just got put in, yeah. on, on, into the NBA, right? Like, like Zion, for example, right? I'm a Duke fan, right? I, I'm a Blue Devils fan, right? For you listeners, if you're not, I, I'm sorry. But <laughs> moving forward, <laughs> but moving forward, um, like for example, right? Like if I want to play with Zion, right? Because he's on the Pelicans. Right. Um, it, it, if I want to play with Zion, then in like really bad, right? And, 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 and there's a couple other players that are play too like rj barrett for example sell that pack for twenty dollars like a like a, a whole entire 20 2020 roster pack exactly twenty dollars exactly you know, you know you wouldn't have like this big uproar about like every single game being the same it would it would kind of take away from that yeah your game you know people wouldn't buy it sixty dollars every time but it would show that you know it's a more player friendly based thing and you know what you can keep your you know microtransactions in it anyways because you you know you're making more money off the microtransactions than the actual game purchase itself like that's that's yeah. more just like your guy spent four hundred dollars on vc the game's sixty dollars he spent four hundred so he's put in let's just say just with that he's put in almost five hundred dollars that's one person has spent five hundred dollars yeah. on your game so it's not going to yeah, hurt you at all, at all. Really, it's not to just make it a, a yearly service. Like sports games should be yearly services where you just buy maybe a $20 roster pack. And if you want to play with the current roster, you will have to pay that $20 that, for a roster. Yeah, offer. and not only that, That's right? Just to add, right? Just, you know, put, put the icing on the cake here. Another thing you could do, right? Like make your game free to play, right? And here's the thing. Release that game. And for two years, okay, for two years, it stays the same then what you can do is do a complete graphic overhaul of that game, right? Because you sat with the game for two years, you understand how it operates, and, and, and you're seeing the progress made. Then at that point, you can reskin the whole game, and all you have to do now is give out an update. I mean, Fortnite just did it. They took. Yeah, like, Fortnite just it? did it. Yeah, so it's like you can do the same thing. You can you can update the game whenever you need to. And heck, if you need to take you know turn the servers off for like two days, if you turn the servers off for two days and do the roster update, update the graphics as you need, that's fine. But could you imagine like a a yearly service sports game where you don't have to rebuy the game every single year just for a sixty dollar roster update? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think so that would be phenomenal. Better. 
That it would be. It would be. But here's the thing, though. They're really not losing money. Like, okay, like, let's go into the business aspect of it just a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. If people are buying a copy of your game for $60, right? Mm-hmm. And they're paying for, you know, VC and they're doing all these things, right? But, let, let, then let's, but let's say you switch to a model of free-to-play, right? Like, let's say they go with the model that we suggested. Yeah. At that point in time, 20, you know, like, 2020 roster update comes out. That's 20 bucks, right? And then you, then you could have a deal. If you buy the 2020 roster update, you could get... You know, let's say sixteen hundred VC for ten bucks, mm-hmm. right? You just sold VC and a pack. You just made thirty dollars exactly off one and person, you, and you multiply that by a ton. They're not losing and you also anything. Boost your player base by making Absolutely. your game free to play. More and people who more don't money. have the money. People, here's the thing: with the way sports games are right now, if you don't really have the current up to date sports game, it, it's it sucks because you know you want to. If you have, say, right now, if you're playing W or a uh, 2K16 on anything, WWE, 2K, whatever it is, you kind of always want to play the new one, 2K20. It has the updated rosters. It has mm-hmm. all that. So, you know, and some people just don't have the money to buy that brand Man, new game. I used to buy, um, but you, just just to add, I used to buy a Madden. Okay, so the last Madden game I bought, okay, that I paid sixty dollars for, right, mm-hmm. was Madden 2006. Okay. And the fact of the matter is, is I actually like, I actually like got like top three in a tournament. So I got a free copy of the game away. So, but I had already had it paid off. So I had two copies of the game. Um, but anyway, I bought Madden 06, right? I did not buy another Madden title until 2012. Yeah. Okay. Because of, because of that issue, right? If they had a free to play game so I could install, update my roster when I want, blah, 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 right? That would just be a lot more acceptable, right? But um, now, now to touch on Call of Duty because I think that that's a a, a very big, um, you know, just yeah. franchise in general, and especially now, right? Because we yeah. have this franchise league, we have all the COD teams, and now we're moving into a very, you know, to a much more professional, you know, setting for that game, sure. right? They need to make Call of Duty. Every Call of Duty, okay, I don't care. I'll spend the $60, but put it on a two-year interval. Have a Call of Duty game last for two years. Develop your player base on that title. Build momentum going into your next game, and then play that game for two years, and so on and so forth, right? Because here's the thing. With Activision, you're not getting a free-to-play model, right? Right. Like, you're not, unless you live like a small town in Taiwan, and you're like hacking to get the game for free or something. Like, (laughs) I don't know. Um. But my point is, is that with Call of Duty, people would be okay with that. Like with Modern Warfare, the game that just came out, I know for a fact that next November we got a new Call of Duty coming out, right? Yeah. And their whole and their whole exclusive crap with Spec Ops, right, where you can't play Spec Ops for a year on Xbox or or PlayStation. It's it's specifically like a mode within Spec Ops, right? It's not it is not all of Spec Ops, right? Just to clarify. Um, but the fact is, right. You can have exclusivity on whatever you want for a year, and then the following year, everybody gets to play together, right? So you get your exclusivity, you know, punch. You get that, right? And you're able to do that. And at the same time, you're you're allowing, you know, for a, a larger gap of time of people to, for everyone to enjoy the content together, right? So you're in in reality, you're kind of rebuilding hype for for your game, like on accident. Or, or if it's on purpose, then it's on purpose. But the point is, is that 
you need to create things that are constantly going to, you know, push yourself to go further with your title. Um, I think that Activision, I think EA, I think 2K, I think every single one of these companies needs to reevaluate what they are doing. Because the the fact of the matter is, is that people have caught on, people are tired of it, and they want something new. And I really think that we're going to see this model come crashing down on their heads if it doesn't change. Please, like it doesn't take more than just like, what is it, nine to ten months um, to, to develop a game. Take at least two years to develop your game, please. It will... I promise your fan base will appreciate that a lot more because you're number one, you'll be able to let your current game have time to breathe. Yep. Number two, the game you're going to be putting out is going to be, you know, less glitchy, less, you know, less problems because it's been through a, a proper development cycle. You know, I'm not a game developer, I, you know, but I can only imagine what it's like for those people who have to continuously come up with something new every single year mm-hmm. and, you know, beat out what they did yeah, last and year. Yeah, absolutely, you know? absolutely, right? Now, this kind of moves in to our next topic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to touch on it, right? I'm going to, I'm going to touch on it briefly now. I'm going to come right back to it. Right. Uh, but there's an issue currently with how uh, specifically Mark Cuban had said that currently esports within the United within the United States is currently not profitable. It's a bad business, I'll, right? I'll he says now he says that it's a bad business because of the you know of of how it is on players, right? Now now here's the thing, right? Just to kind of go back to what we were talking about development cycles, that would improve that a lot right it, it, it would improve that for the player right because they have more time with the game they have let it has less time of it changing like over and over again and they're eventually become set metas and because you're sitting with the game for longer than a year you are going to get one more out of it you're going to be able to advertise more as a company right as a community an org a team whatever the case is and again you're taking those you know like all that pressure off of players, right? Where they feel like if they don't perform next, you know, this year, they're screwed next year, right? And if you add in a two-year cycle, you're going to help with that process, right? But again, I think that it's going to take esports and game developers to come together on a on multiple things, right? And 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 that is included. Um as far as their development cycles and how many years, right? Because players' health needs to be taken into account. Now, to move forward, and I'll come back to this later, Mark Cuban, which, by the way, I respect Mark Cuban. Absolutely respect him. I respect his business. I respect what he has done with the Dallas Mavericks. I respect what he has done with Mavs gaming and and, and going into the 2K League. But this is where Mark Cuban, I feel, is wrong. Now, now I want to state that he is right with the fact of the matter is, is that you want to have a system in place that makes you a lot of money without doing a lot of work. Right, because who? Here's the thing: everyone in the world wants to make a lot of money without doing a lot of work. Right, like that's the goal. Right, like I I know not everybody in the world wants to wake up at eight a.m., work till five, and 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 go from there. Um, now, now, yeah, the United States currently does have a growing market, and now he's also right with his statement of saying that if you were to have a team in Korea or China or Japan, it's very profitable. 
Here's the problem with U.S. esports teams. And again, I think he's both right and wrong, and I will touch on both. Now, where he's wrong is that, yes, in the United States, teams are, you know, like profitable and it is not bad business. The problem is, is that the model and, and, and the way that people are, you know, how people are as far as accepting of change or, or just additions of anything is slow in America. Right. And I'm not sure why. But that, but but it's just true, right? If you look at anything, people just don't like change. And if you try to add something in, people really don't like it, right? You have to give them time to to adjust with it and sit with it, and that's just a fact, right? And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that feel this way. Um, so as far as that is concerned, right? Um, in the United States, you have to do more than just run a team. You have to, as a business, like esports is 24 7, 365. And I've said this privately, I'll say this publicly. If you do not love esports, it will eat you alive. It will eat you alive. And, and that's the truth. You're going to get slammed with so much stuff and have so much we, pressure we have on you. We a lot of pressure on that us. You feel like we the world's going to cave in on you. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Being a, being an, a, you know, an, an organization owner myself, right. Uh, with you, Steven, it's, right. it, it's, it's gotten to the point, right. Where we, we understand the stress, the pressure, the level of what you need to be at and where you need to go in order to be successful in the United States. Now, now in Korea and all those other places that he had mentioned to be, you know, very profitable areas it's because they've been with esports since the nineties. Esports, e okay, all right. Esports is not a new thing. For those who believe it is a new thing, you are wrong. Esports has been here for a very long time. It has been here since the nineties. It started with it started with a like the original Counter Strike, you know, or, or excuse me, Counter Strike. Then moving into Source and one point six, and then as well as StarCraft Brood War. You have such a extravagant history right, of competitive gaming. But the the extent of that history is in Europe right. and actually, in Korea actually, and, and those other says, places, right? Uh, so, there were first so, signs of esports since 1972. Ahead. Yes, with the Nintendo World Championships, if I'm not mistaken. Also, uh, arcade cabinet. They used see, to play Donkey Kong, that, Centipede, event, all that for scores. It happened October 19th, 1972. That event invited players to compete in a game called Space War, a space combat game that was first developed in 1962. Okay. So there you go. Esports has been around for a really long time, right? So since the 70s, okay? Esports has finally gotten to an area now where big business can get involved. And now it makes sense, right? But that's all because of community work. That's all because of, you know, for example, me, right? I've been a Halo fan since uh, 2007. I have, and, and since that, it's since my, you know, I guess you could say my inauguration you know, into esports, uh, and especially Halo esports, I dived into every single area I could, right? Whether it was Counter-Strike, StarCraft, League of Legends, uh, Dota, start going back to the original Dota, not, not even Dota 2, right? But also Dota 2 as well. Um, and, and going into these other games, learning about them, understanding their history and understanding and understanding how they are, you know, and, and, and what they have accomplished, right? And really just trying to, you know, again, learn my history, but to move forward, right. To, to kind of go back to what I was actually talking about or, or originally, um, is that within the United States, if you are a company that is not investing into esports now, you are going to regret it later. 
you absolutely are, are going to regret it later. The problem is, is that these valuations for these companies are way too high. You have a problem right now where VC companies, right, are taking money, stuffing it into companies, and they're making it to where these valuations are so huge, right? They're on a grand scale. They're, you know, they're, they're a $200 million company. Um, but as far as that is concerned, I just, I don't feel that esports in the United States is a bad business. I feel like that a lot of esports organizations are going the wrong way about it and not putting, you know, certain systems in place, right, to mechanically make it easier for them and a lot more viable, right? And that includes ROI, that includes community engagement and caring about the supporters and, and their fans. And, and just like like with us, right? Like we we are a very inclusive community. We are not here for the money. We are here because we we love esports. Okay, as I said, I'm I have been in esports since 2007. Right, since I was 12 years old, I am 25 now. That is 13 years. I love, I love esports. It is my everything. It is my world. I, I consume esports 24/7. The fact of the matter is, is that you, if you don't know what you're doing and you don't have a plan in place to again help you, and you're some random VC company that's just trying to make money off of esports, you're not going to. Esports is not a regular business. If you try to run an esports organization, a team, or any company within esports as a regular or traditional business, that right there is where you're screwing up. Right there. You're screwing up because the thing, the fact of the matter is, is that there is no model in place. There is nothing that has been in place whatsoever except for Optic. If you really want to go to the, you know, get to the nitty gritty of it, Optic Gaming and FaZe Clan really laid out the groundwork for organizations, right? So now it's up to us to build upon that, right? And, and, and to add structure into certain things, right? And that's our job. And I believe that you know we can do that, but if you're not in tune with what esports is, where it's going, or anything like that, you are one hurting yourself, two you're you're going in blind, and, and three you're you're not preparing yourself correctly, right? Like you're not putting yourself into into esports, right? Before any company at all invests into esports, you need to learn and understand it, and you have to have a passion for. It. If you don't have a passion for it and you think you're going to get a quick turnaround on your ROI and make a quick buck and bounce, you're not going to do that. And in fact, like especially in esports, every community member, every supporter sniffs that out. If you're in it for the money, you're not going to make money. If you're in it because you care about esports and you want to grow it and you're doing dope shit that people like and you're listening to the people that are in your community, then yes, you are going to succeed. And then again, that makes that organization, company, or business completely, you know, it, it, completely valuable and able to be invested into. But again, if you're trying to run as a traditional business, you're just not going to do it. And that's the fact. And that's where I think that Mark Cuban is wrong. I think that Mark Cuban is applying the traditional business model, right? Which isn't bad, right? Because that model was there. It's been used for everything else in the world, right? So why not think it could be used for this? But the problem is, is that we've seen it used for this. We've seen now, not, not us, okay? All right. But infinite esports and entertainment that killed Optic, right? Not us. We didn't do it, all right? I just want to make that clear. But they tried to run Optic Gaming as a traditional business, and you see where it fell. And that's, that is my point precisely.
And, and again, right? Like, I don't know how in tune Mark Cuban is into esports. In fact, if I was ever given an opportunity, I would love to talk to him about it because I feel like that there's a lot of things that maybe he could learn from me and I could learn from him as well. Um, but the fact of the matter is, right, is that yes, domestically in the United States, it is it, it, it is not an awful business. It is not a bad business decision. And I think that if you think that you are thinking in the wrong way, and that is just my personal opinion. Again. I have a lot of respect for Mark Cuban. So this isn't me throwing shade. I just feel like that this is a topic that requires healthy yeah, debate. I and I feel I like the people you of you know, my stature and Steven, you, you as well, with us being organization owners, this is a topic that we deserve to be a part of and, and, and to debate on as well. And, you know, it's really, uh, it's, it's just, you know, it's very interesting, right? It's very interesting. But again, I, I think esports is growing and I think that it's going to reach a pace of growth that people aren't going to expect, right? Uh, it, it's all about the numbers. It's all about the figures, right? And people are like, well, you know, the, the numbers and figures aren't necessarily there, right? Like you, you can't tell between, you know, US and Europe. Okay. But those platforms need to put those things in place, right? And then we can get to that and fix that, right? Just to add, because I know that's another thing that he had said as well, but just to, I guess, rebuttal his point, um, that's what I would say to it, is that it's up to these platforms and up to organizations and people to work together, right? Like there has to be transparency in the industry. If there's no transparency, then yeah, it's going to stick at a slow growth pace. But if we come together and allow transparency to happen, we're going to see an extreme amount of growth in such right. a short amount of time. Uh, um, but as far as that goes, no, go that's all sorry, I have to say on the subject. It, 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 as far as his um, you know, comment on esports is concerned. Now, uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I was going to say to the wonderful listeners and supporters, I want to thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. Now, make sure that you guys like, you comment, you scribe. We're applicable, right? Where, where you're able to do it, be a part, help help us grow by being a part of our podcast, being a part of our content, right? Um, and also make sure that you follow at Infinite on Twitter. Um, that's spelled N-F-I-N-I-T-E. We're going to be doing tons of giveaways and tons of things to give back to the community and the members uh, and, and just supporters that have been with us since the beginning. You guys are amazing. You're the shit. I absolutely love you. And it is truly a... a, a an amazing experience. And I'm, I'm honestly very humbled every day that I get an opportunity to, to talk and, and, and have Thank these you. wonderful listeners, you know, he, hear what we have to say, right. It really does mean a lot. Thank you all so much. Um, again, I'm your host, Red Ghost. Um, uh, and this is my co-host Steven. And, um, and this is going to be the end of episode seven. Again, make sure you guys listen to episode six. There's a ton of content there. Um, and, and also make sure listen to this podcast all the way through. If you're at this point, you've already have, and I love you for it. You're, you're amazing. Right. And, and the world should love you. Let us know you watched all the way to the end. That way I can tell you that I love you because I do. Um, but anyway, guys, thank you again mm -hmm. so much. And, uh, and that's it for this episode of the podcast. Make sure, make sure to check us out on Monday for episode eight and make sure to stay tuned for more infinite podcast and beyond.